into the scripture tonight. We have a baptism at the end of the service, and so we want to make sure we have time to fit all of this in and get you home in time. Proverbs chapter number 20, I'm going to read one verse tonight. When you get there, if you would, let's stand together. (coughs) Proverbs chapter 20, look down to verse number 4. As we continue in this series of growing beyond, and uh, it's just a good opportunity to take Sunday nights, have some Bible study time together, and just look at some single topic subjects that the Lord's put on our heart that will help us grow together as a church. And I don't know about you, but I'm still getting used to this place, and I'm sure you're still getting used to me, and I hope we can grow together that we might fulfill the Lord's will even more as the days go by. So Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4, we're going to look at this verse, we'll read it through twice, The Bible says, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the wonderful singing we've heard tonight and wonderful singing we were able to do, Lord, lifting up praise to your name for all that you've done and singing about how great you are. And Father, thank you for being the God that you are. And thank you, Lord, for even loving us, Lord, in spite of ourselves at times, even as we see in the life of Thomas. And Father, thank you for your word tonight. We know it's quick and it's powerful. And Lord, we know that you've got something for it to accomplish. And that's why you've sent it. And I pray we would allow your word to do in our hearts what you desire it to do. Bless the invitation, Father. I pray that your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I mentioned this morning that uh, something I had mentioned also in Sunday school, that all of our lives will prove the will of God through either obedience or through omission, meaning that God wants to take our life and be an example of what happens when we are obedient, or God will use our life as an example of what happens when we are not obedient. And we have plenty of examples in Scripture of that. You know, this is why God preserved His Word for us, that we could look in Scripture and glean from the lives of others. I've told you that I'm a middle child, have an older sister and a younger brother. And, uh, you know, I, growing up, I didn't like getting spankings, uh, as my dad would call them, whoopings, or whatever we wanted to call them. I didn't like them, whatever you called them. And uh, I remember watching my brother and watching my sister, and I tried to learn from things they did that got them spankings. You know, I just know that's kind of a weird thought, but if they got a whooping for it, I tried to make a note of it not to do it because I didn't like spankings, you know, and this is what the word of God is for. He's preserved his book for us all down through the ages that we might glean from the lives of others. And there's some people in the word of God that God wants us to be like. He wants us to glean from people who trusted him and were obedient through his word. And he wants us to see how he blessed their lives and used them. But he also wants us to see some people that he doesn't want us to be like. As we read the Word of God, we run across many of those, and there's one here in verse number four that I believe is a prime example to us. <coughs> Excuse me. Tonight in verse four, the Bible talks about the sluggard. For those of you that are not sure what a sluggard is, it's not the cousin to the snail. It is just a lazy person or a slothful person, if you will. And I think verse number four has been preserved for us in the Word of God that we might learn from him and how not to be like him. Now, tonight, I believe he's got, a, he's got a problem that many of us have in our walk with God, and it's something we must grow beyond, and it's something I am very good at in that he knew what he needed to do, but he offered up an excuse in why he did not do what he knew that he needed to do. And tonight, we're looking at a very simple thought of growing beyond excuses, growing beyond our excuses. 
I'm very good at excuses. I live in a flesh body that can easily come up with an excuse why I'm not to, uh, why I do not want to do what I know that I need to do. But if we're ever going to grow in the Lord and become who He's calling us to be, we've got to talk ourselves or grow ourselves beyond our excuses. And I've quoted Bear Bryant many times, a wonderful, wonderful quote from him, uh, even though he was from Alabama, that success is when you talk yourself out of your excuses. If you've ever, if you've ever had a diet, okay, I'm, I'm somewhat on one right now. My wife is educating me that a diet is usually just a hit or miss thing that I've got to change my lifestyle. Uh, I don't really don't like it when my wife preaches to me truth, but uh, that's truth if I ever heard it that oftentimes we'll start these diets and they're just a momentary thing and uh, I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight because I, I just don't want to be overweight, to be honest with you, be a good steward of my health and my body. Uh, the Lord gave us to uh, be able to serve him. And uh, I'll tell you, I, uh, I can excuse myself from my diet really quickly. Took the kids the other night to a McDonald's uh, after the ball game and uh, they were just having good fellowship and there's nothing like good food with good fellowship. And uh, Brother John Matthews told me that they'll sell you 13 cookies in a box at McDonald's. And uh, I just had to find out if it was true or not. And so I went up there and I ordered 13. And I shared them with the kids. And then we ordered 13 more. Uh, and before it was all said and done, we ordered 13 more. And we just having a good old time passing those boxes around. And because I ordered all the cookies they had, they had to make fresh ones. So the next 13 that kept coming out, they were hot and gooey. You could not even pull them out of the box without them falling apart. Man, it was just good. And I said, you know, this is great fellowship. I want to join in. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't want to exclude myself from fellowship. That would not be good. Acts chapter 2, the early church, the Bible says they continued together in fellowship. So I wanted to fellowship with them. And before it was all said and done, I don't know how many cookies I'd eaten, but I had taken down a filet fish and a Big Mac before I walked out of there. Now, what the filet fish and the Big Mac had to do with it, well, I'd already broke the diet with the cookie, so I might as well go ahead and, if you're going to break it. Brother Brent said, I asked Brother Brent, he's the volleyball coach for the girls. I said, can the girls have a cookie? You know, because they're on kind of a strict diet with their, with their sports, and he says they can have one cheat day. And so I thought to myself, if they can have a cheat day, I can have a cheat day too. And if you're going to have a cheat day, you might as well have a good one. I mean, I'm not going to waste a cheat day on a cookie. And so I went ahead and had the filet fish and the Big Mac. <laughs> Now, here's the sad thing. When I got home, I felt horrible. I just felt bad about myself. I, I almost disqualified myself from preaching today. I said, somebody with such a little bit of self-control does not need to be preaching on Sunday morning. But what happened was I just excused myself from what I knew better. I knew I didn't need all of those cookies and didn't need the filet fish and probably just didn't need to be at McDonald's, period, to be honest with you. But I excused myself. And that day, my diet was not very successful. Why? Because I did not talk myself out of my excuses. Now, diet's one thing, but understand our walk with God and growing in the Lord and building the homes that God would have us to build and being the church that God would have us to be, if we're going to be successful, we must talk ourselves out of our excuses. And I believe we can learn from the sluggard tonight, so let's just jump right into this, if we could, in verse number four. <coughs> Excuse me. The Bible says, the sluggard will not plow. Notice that. The sluggard will not plow. So the first thing I want you to notice tonight is notice his mistake. Notice his mistake. The Bible says that he will not plow. Now what is plowing? Plowing is what the sluggard, the gentleman, knew that he needed to do. 
plowing is what they had to do to supply the, the crops that they needed or to feed their animals, the flocks that they had. And so he knew that he needed to be plowing, and yet he talked himself out of doing what he knew that he needed to do. Now, folks, this is how we mess up with our walk with God. We find a reason to excuse ourselves from doing what we know to do. Now, we know that sooner or later this guy is going to get hungry. I'm sure this guy is a lot like me, and he gets hungry more often than he should. But he's not going to have what he needs to eat because he talked himself out of doing what he knew that he needed to do, which was plowing. Now, folks, understand, it's easy to excuse ourselves from the will of God. It's easy to excuse ourselves from not giving that person at the restaurant a gospel track, from not going soul winning, from not reading our Bible, from not taking time to pray. It's easy to excuse ourselves from that, but understand tonight, all we're doing is kicking the can down the road. We're going to see that again later. The Bible says that he would not plow. He wouldn't do what he knew that he needed to do. Now, understand this. A lot of the tragedies in our life, a lot of the heartaches in our life, a lot of the difficulties in our life, they're not accidents. They're not accidents. An accident is something that comes along uh, all of a sudden, out of the blue, that we had no clue about. Oftentimes, the reason I feel bad, as I did on Friday night, man, the more I thought about it, the more I felt ashamed. The reason I felt that way is because I excused myself from doing what I know that I needed to do. I knew that I did not need to eat all those cookies. That's why I was trying to share them with everybody. I was saving myself from myself. I knew better than that. And later I felt horrible because I had excused myself from doing what I was supposed to be doing. Now, folks, the later is going to be pretty rough for us if we don't start talking ourselves out of our excuses from doing the will of God. This man, the Bible says, he would not plow. Proverbs 22, 3. Turn over. It's just a couple of pages over. Notice what this verse says. <coughs> A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Do you know that when we see the evil and we see the trouble ahead of us and we knowingly do not do what we know we're supposed to do, the Bible says we pass on and are punished. That's not an accident. That was a planned tragedy. You see, when we excuse ourselves from doing what we know that we need to do, we are planning on tragedy later. This man, all he did was kick the responsibility that he knew he needed to do down the road to a later day. I had someone ask me one time, what is my greatest difficulty in life? That's a, that's a pretty tough question. What is your greatest difficulty in life? What is your, your biggest struggle in life? And so it took me several days to come up with an answer for that. And no, it was not passing up fast food. It was, it was deeper than that. And I remember, I told the gentleman, I said, I figured it out what it is. He said, what is it? I said, the biggest difficulty that I have in my life is doing what I know to do. That's the biggest difficulty in my life. You know, you grow up in a preacher's home and you go to a lot of churches, you hear a lot of preachers preach, and boy, you get preachers to sign your Bible and you heard so-and-so preach and heard so-and-so preach. Do you know that when we hear the word of God preached, and the word of God is given to us and we know what to do, now we're accountable to do it. I mean, that's there. We know. The Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And we think about it all the time, but we come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. That may be why folks are not faithful to church. They just don't want to know. They want to live in ignorance. Because once you hear it, you're accountable to it. Folks, listen to me tonight. If we're going to be successful, 
and become who God wants us to become, we must talk ourselves out of our excuses. And that starts with just doing the things that we know to do. I used to teach a kids class at my dad's church years ago. And uh, on Wednesday night, I taught the boys. And we had two rules in our class, two simple rules. Number one, it was do what it's time to do. If it was less than time, it means it was time to listen. If it was playtime, it was time to act crazy and whatever else we were doing. The second rule was do what you know to do. Just do what you know to do. Now, folks, I, listen, tonight as a Christian, as a member of Central Baptist Church, I believe most of us know what we're supposed to be doing. But we excuse ourselves from doing what we know we're supposed to be doing for the moment. Now, understand that tonight. It's just for a moment that we excuse ourselves. Because the sluggard is going to realize the decision that he made in the present is going to drastically affect his future. Matthew chapter 11, turn there with me if you will. I want you to see something. <coughs> Matthew chapter 11. I want you to listen to what Christ has to say. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 21 The red letters here, Jesus says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Now, can I tell you, when Christ says, Woe, you better pay attention. When Christ says, Hold up, wait a minute, pay attention, Woe unto thee, now, why was he woeing them? Because he says, if Tyre and Sidon had knew what you knew, if they had heard what you had heard, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Watch verse 22. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell for if thy, the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom. Now think about that. If the works which were done in Capernaum had been done in Sodom, notice verse 23, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Why is Christ pronouncing this woe? He says, because you knew better. You knew so much. You got to be witness of so much. You knew it, and you didn't know what, didn't do what you knew to do. Folks, can I tell you tonight, we must understand, yes, it's a privilege to be a member of Central Baptist Church and to come to this church and to hear the preaching of the Word of God and teaching of the Word of God, but we're going to be held accountable for what we knew to do. Well, how do we get out of it? We just simply excuse ourselves. James chapter 3, the Bible talks about, be not many masters, knowing we shall receive great, the greater condemnation. What does that mean? The people who know better, the people who know more, we're going to be held accountable for that. And so we've got to get around sooner or later to growing beyond our excuses and doing the things that we know to do. Every person in hell tonight, every person in hell tonight is there because they rejected what they knew. Every person in hell is there tonight because they rejected what they knew to do. At some point, listen, at some point, they were given opportunity to know God. At some point, Romans chapter 1 talks about the creation of the world, how the things that are seen were clearly made from something that is not seen, and how God manifests himself that we can know him. 
People aren't in hell tonight because they couldn't know God. They're in hell because they chose not to know God. When they were given opportunity to know him, they rejected it. The Bible says that when they had the opportunity in Romans 1, they rejected that opportunity. We use the phrase sometimes, ignorance is bliss. And I guess it is at times, but my God loves me too much to leave me in ignorance. God loves us enough that he wants us to know more about him and his will and his way. Now understand, God wants us to know it, but we're accountable for what we know. So number one, notice his mistake. His mistake was not doing what he knew to do. The sluggard will not plow. He excused himself. How? Number two, notice his reasons. Notice his reasons. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Now I can understand where this fellow's at. I've woken up on on many mornings wanting to go deer hunting. I love to deer hunt. And uh, you look out the window and the wind's blowing. And it's 28, 29 degrees. That's some good deer hunting weather, but it's starting to drizzle a little bit. And you don't have a shooting house, so you're hunting on the side of a tree, and you're just thinking, you know what, that bed is so soft and warm. You know, my wife get up and cook me some eggs or something like that, and, you know, I probably just need to stay home and read my Bible today. Isn't it neat how we can find the convenient time to be spiritual and not be spiritual? So I'm just going to go back and read my Bible today. I talk myself, it's just too cold today. Just too oh, it's just too windy. There are days that I honestly don't feel like going hunting. I look out the window and I see the little the little leaves move. Oh, it's just too windy today. I'm excusing myself from doing what I what I want to do, not what I need to do, but I want to do. And here's what I want you to remember tonight. The slugger, the Bible says he wouldn't plow by reason of the cold. He looked out the window and said, It's too cold. It's too cold for doing what I know that I should be re, should be doing. Can I tell you tonight? Satan specializes in two reasons. I preached out of this chapter years ago, a message entitled, Two Reasons Not to Serve God. But it wasn't T-W-O, it was T-O-O. The devil will always give you two reasons for not serving God. You say, what do you mean? Well, you think about Eve in the Garden of Eden. She knew what God wanted her to do. She knew how to be obedient to what God had told her she should and should not do. But the devil offered her an opportunity. And the opportunity was too good to pass up. He says, man, you'll be like God and you'll have the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And it was just too good. You see, she excused herself with a two reason. Think about Jonah. God called Jonah and Jonah knew what God wanted him to do. Jonah had no doubt what God wanted him to do. God made it clear. He says, arise, get thee to Nineveh. He knew what God wanted him to do, but you know, Jonah got to thinking about it. And Jonah says, those people are just too much trouble. There's another two reason that the devil gave him. God told Abraham and Sarah they were going to have a baby. They thought that was too far-fetched. That's just too far-fetched for that to happen. And Abraham and Sarah just couldn't grapple with what God wanted them to do. When David was up on the wall and he saw Bathsheba bathing, she was too desirable to him. The devil will always give you two reasons for not serving God, but understand it's just an excuse. By the way, it'll be an unacceptable excuse. We'll see this in a minute. I've had people tell me the reasons they don't come to church is the preaching is too loud. I know, that's kind of funny, isn't it? I've heard people say the preaching is too long. Amen? Amen. Amen. I've heard people tell, I had one lady one time knocked on the door. She'd visit our church. And I said, hey, love, love you having you at church. Love to have you come back and visit with us sometime. She says, you repeated yourself too many times. That was the first one. Never heard that one before. I said, well, if you got it the first time, I wouldn't have to repeat it the second time. No, I didn't tell her that. I wanted to. 
my flesh is just as wicked as yours is. I just wanted to tell her. Well, if you'd have woke up, I wouldn't have had to repeat it because every time you fall asleep, I had to wait. I got to repeat it for that lady back then. It kept falling asleep. The devil will be glad to give you too many reasons, but I want you to understand they're just excuses. They're just excuses. What is an excuse? An excuse is merely an alternative to obedience. That's what an excuse is. Where God tells us what he wants us to do, or maybe your boss tells you what he wants you to do, or maybe your parents tell you what they want you to do, and you find another reason for not doing what they told you to do, that's just an excuse. It's not a reason. Now, folks, understand tonight, you can come up with all the reasons you want, but our reasons will never substitute and be an acceptable substitute to what thus saith the Lord. Nothing we can say will ever take that place. Daniel Webster, one time, him and his brother Ezekiel were given a list of chores to do by their dad. Their dad came home, and the chores were not done. So he goes to Ezekiel, whom he called Zeke, and he says, Zeke, why aren't the chores done? No, did you do the chores? He says, no, sir. He says, well, what were you doing? He says, I did nothing. So he goes around the corner, and he asks Daniel Webster. He says, uh, look, why aren't the chores done? He says, I was helping Zeke. He didn't know that Zeke already told his dad that he didn't do any of the chores either. Now, he come up with a real good one real quick, but it didn't take the place of obedience. Sometimes we think because we have a good excuse that that excuse is somehow magically going to take the place of obedience. No, what God looks at as obedience is obedience. Whatever reason we have for not being obedient is simply an excuse. I got pulled over one time for speeding on my way to college. I was on 588, headed towards Ellisville. And uh, man, I had a good song. I think it was a cathedral song was playing on the radio. And uh, I just kind of got in a toe-tapping mood, you know. It was just a good one. And man, just stirring my spirit a little bit. And I was just, and I was doing 73 and a 55. Policeman had the audacity to pull me over for that. So uh, once I spun around and got pulled over, he spun around, he's coming back. I had time to get my Bible out of my briefcase. Dash, just put it up on the dash. And I had my suit, my tie on. He says, sir, where are you headed? I am headed to Bible college. That's what I told him. He says, can you tell me why? I was just listening to this good old song, talking about the blood, and man, just having a good old time, and he still wrote me a ticket. Surely, surely, this fledgling preacher, he's not going to No, he didn't. You know why? Because I broke the law. I thought I had a really good excuse. Surely, he's not going to write a preacher a ticket with a Bible on the dash, and he's wearing a suit and tie. Oh, he wrote me a ticket. Why? Because I broke the law. I had a good excuse, and it was probably a comical excuse, and he's probably still talking about the guy that tried to get out of the ticket by telling him he was listening to a gospel song. But you see, the excuse didn't cut it. It's the same way with God. Do you know the sluggard, he wouldn't plow by reason of the cold. Do you know his excuse would not feed him come harvest time. But I had a really good excuse. It was really cold that day. It doesn't matter. The excuse would not give him what obedience could. And understand, we may have an excuse that pacifies our mind. We feel good about not being faithful. We feel good about reading our Bible. We feel good about not soul winning. We can come up with all of the best reasons in the world, but understand that excuse cannot do for us what obedience can by honoring God and what God told us to do. It all sounds good, but it really doesn't change anything. And I want to tell you this tonight. If you get advice that talks you out of doing what you know God says doing, that's not good advice. 
If you get any advice that is contrary to what you know God says, then it's bad advice, whether you get it from somebody else or you give it to yourself. But folks, remember I said this morning, we're, we got a bad case of giving ourselves bad advice. I hear people all the time say, well, I thought, I know, and that's where we mess up. When we start thinking about what we know God has already said. Matthew chapter 25, we know the parable of the talents. We know it very well to where the man who received the one talent, his master came back and asked him, why didn't you take my money to the changers? Buddy, was he ready or what? He was ready. I mean, I think he probably rehearsed it in his mind. It's like this. Got to thinking about it. Strike one right there. All he had to do was be obedient. He didn't have to think about it, just be obedient. I got to thinking about it, and I know that you're an austere man, and you read for you haven't sown and all this. So here's what I did. I went and I buried it in the ground. I just dug it up, and here's your coin bag, your talent bag. And so the, the master of the house says, oh, okay, no problem. Good idea. No, it didn't go very far, did it? The excuse didn't cut any mustard with the master of the house. Why? Because what he was expecting was obedience. I read a quote one time. It says this, a poor workman will always find fault with his tools. A poor workman will always find fault with his tools. Well, how guilty I've been at that. There's even times I've even broke my own tools. I don't know how many of my dad's shovels I broke because I didn't want to dig holes. You know, you just kind of jump on one side more than the other. You know, shovel's not a pry bar, too. You stick it underneath there, turn it, oh, my goodness. Look, I'd have had this thing dug up if you gave me a better shovel. So sorry, wood the shovel, I think termites probably didn't eat this thing up and it just snapped off. Yeah, a poor workman will always find a reason to blame his tools. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, listen close. <laughs> the Apostle Paul is the grading curve. You know what a grading curve is? He's that line that we're compared to. Christ is the line. But I want you to think about the Apostle Paul here in Acts chapter 20, listen close, verse 18. And when they were come to him, he said to them, Ye know from this first day that I came into Asia... After what manner I have been with you, listen close, at all seasons. Paul says, you know how I've been around you at all seasons. Listen close to verse 19. Serving the Lord. Look, look no excuses. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Do you know all of those things are good excuses not to serve the Lord? Humility of mind, tears, temptations, which befell me by the lying away of you. I could have picked any of those and excused myself from not serving God. But notice Paul, the first three words in verse 19, the Bible says serving the Lord. So that kind of scratches my excuses out. When I stand before God and he says, why didn't you serve me? I'll say, well, you know, there were times that I had tears. He says, Paul served me in tears. But you don't understand, I wanted to serve you, but there were these temptations that came along the way, and surely they do, and surely they are formidable. But I believe God's going to say, Paul served with temptations. Verse 20, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and taught you, watch this, publicly and from house to house. Well, God, you just don't understand. I mean, you know, my neighbors were mean. My neighbors had bulldogs, Paul. So the Bible says he served the Lord publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. He didn't discriminate against nobody. He just did the will of God. 
I believe Acts 20, verse 19 through verse 21 will be the grading curve for all of our excuses. When we say, I couldn't serve God because of this, he's going to say, well, well, Paul did. I read a story about Deion Sanders the other day. Some of the millennials may not know who Deion Sanders is, but folks in the 80s will know who Deion Sanders is. He's the only guy who ever hit a Major League Baseball home run and scored a touchdown in an NFL game in history. He's the only guy to ever do that. As far as I know, he's the only guy that ever did that. And they were interviewing him one day, asking him how he made it out of the rough city streets. Of, I think it was Fort Myers, Florida, and out of the inner city that he lived in. And here's what he said. He says, I learned a lot from the Idas. And so the sportscaster is trying to figure out, who are the Idas? You know, this must be an awesome family to help Deion Sanders get where he was going. And here's basically what he said the Idas were. He says, I ran across a lot of athletes that when they were my age, they were as good as I was. They were as strong as I was, they were as fast as I was, and they were as talented as I was. As a kid, I used to hear them always say things like, if Ida stayed in school, if Ida worked hard, if, I had, if Ida put the work in, I could have been a millionaire just like so-and-so and so-and-so. He says, so as a kid, I decided that I was not going to be one of the Idas. I decided that I was going to learn from their mistakes I was going to talk myself out of my excuses and go on to be successful, not only in the NFL, but in Major League Baseball as well. Now listen, he was saying that there's going to be excuses. Well, you grew up in the ghetto. Oh, you grew up around this bad neighborhood. Oh, you grew up in an area that was impoverished. But he talked himself out of his excuses. Now, I don't know about you tonight, but I don't like being around those idas either. People who could have but didn't. I want to be around those people who talk themselves out of their excuses to go on to be a success for Christ. But we must start now with whatever excuses that we have for not doing the will of God. So number two, we see his reasons. It was cold outside. Look at the rest of verse four. Therefore, here comes the result, if you will. Therefore, shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. The last thing I want you to see about the sluggard is his outcome. The outcome of the sluggard is he will beg and harvest and have nothing. Can I tell you, regardless of how valid his reasoning was, he would be faced with the outcome of the decision not to do what he knew to do. Why? Because harvest time is coming. His excuse did not slow up the harvest season, not one iota. He was going to see this again. Now, understand, here's what's amazing. He decided to postpone what he knew to do, but it was literally just a postponement. Why? Because harvest time is coming, and he'll be faced with the decisions of his excuses. We see this a lot in school. I remember when I was in college, I used to ask Dr. Parker, is this going to be on the test? Do you know how teachers, especially when they're preachers, they chase rabbits? We had a guy that sat on the front row in my college. His job was literally to do this, boom, that was his job. He did that when it was chasing a rabbit because he was shooting the rabbit, okay? So he said, if I start chasing a rabbit and we get off subject, go, boom, that means quit chasing the rabbit. We shot the rabbit. Let's get back to the, to the subject again. So we'd be in class and Dr. Parker, I don't know if he's watching the live stream, I hope not, but Dr. Parker would chase some rabbits. And I'm like, is that story about the goldfish going to be on the test, you know? 
Because you get a lot of information that is there, and he would say, no, that's not going to be on there. But he would get to another part of the class, and he would say, you're going to see that again. Your teachers ever say that? You're going to see that again. All right? Now, understand this. When the Holy Spirit of God stirs our heart and makes known what he wants us to do, hey, I want you to plow, but we excuse ourselves that we don't have to do that. Understand you're going to see that again. It's going to come back up later. We're going to have to deal with it sooner or later. So the question is, when are we going to face the truth? Are we going to face what we know now, or are we going to face it later? The sad tr- the truth is, is that later is too late. It's too late. I have in my Bible the most expensive piece of artwork in the Andrews household. You didn't know we were art collectors, but we are. This is a elk tag from 2014 uh, when I went elk hunting in Colorado. Now, it's not supposed to look this big. It's supposed to be a lot smaller. I'll show you what it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to be about that big. And when you kill one, you take this part off and you attach it to the body of the elk that you killed, as I did with this one. This one means I did not kill an elk. Now, you can't see it, but on the very bottom right-hand corner, it has total amount that I paid for this tag, $611. Yeah, you know what that means. Go all the way to Colorado for 10 days, freeze on the side of a mountain, just hoping to see something. I even shot a rabbit. You know, I'm thinking, I paid $611 for a tag. I shot a rabbit uh, while we were there, but I, I did not get an elk, and I came home, and my wife asked me, she says, well, do you get your money back? I wanted to tell her yes, but you don't. And so my wife says, we need to frame that. It'll be the most expensive piece of art in the, the Andrews family collection. This will go on the wall in our house. Now, here's what I want you to understand. While I was there, you know, there was a few elk on the property, but man, I I never really caught up one, never got a shot at one, so here's what I decided. The next year, the next year when I go, the first opportunity I get, I don't care how big he is, I don't care how small he is, he's going down. I even prayed about it. You know, you have not because you asked not. I prayed, I said, Lord, if you will let me see an elk, a legal elk, I I don't think the Lord sends illegal elk, okay? So I was praying for the legal ones. Make sure we pray specifically. I said, if you'll let me see a legal elk, I'll shoot the first one that comes out. So this little elk is in my office. You want to see him? He's a trophy to me. Little elk comes out. I got to tell you this real quick, okay? I'm just going to chase a rabbit. Brother Edwards, you can shoot the rabbit if I get too far, okay? I have two kinds of people that walk in my office and see my elk. You have the one type of people who walk in and they go, whoa, did you kill that? Yeah. They've never seen a trophy elk before. And then you have them guys who watch the outdoor channel walk in there and they go, did you kill that? It's almost like I shot somebody's dog or something, you know? Like, yeah, I, I shot that. This little old elk walks out on the side of a bald ridge. Beautiful, the sun was shining. And I look at that little old elk that was there and I was like, well, he ain't much to look at. But I was looking through his skin and seeing those hindquarters and the back straps that were in there. I said, boy, he'll probably taste good. And all of a sudden, (coughs) I looked behind him, and there was a bigger elk up in the bushes. And I thought to myself, you know what? The Lord probably won't mind if I waited on the bigger one. He did mind. He reminded me what I told him, that I would kill the first one that came out. So I pulled the trigger on that dude. He rolls over on the hill and loaded him up on the truck, and his head is in my office right now. 
Some folks might look at it and say, man, that's just a, a small little pipsqueak of an elk. But I want to tell you, I wasn't going to miss my opportunity. The opportunity was there. This tasted horrible. Man, we tried to fry this thing up and put it on a sandwich and all of that. It did not taste good. And so I said, you know what? The next time I have opportunity, I'm not going to pass on it. I'm going to capitalize on it. I'm going to shoot the first thing that walks out. And I'm going to tell you, that thing tastes good for about a year and a half, almost two years. The moral of the story is simply this. Be careful on passing up opportunities. Be careful on passing up doing what you know you're supposed to be doing because in the end, you may be left with something you really don't want to have. And what we're going to have by not doing what we know to do and what thus saith the Lord is this bitter pill called regret. When we had the opportunity, but we didn't. Why? Because it was cold. I think about old Noah. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and he preached truth. He preached truth. He preached truth. And the people just kept excusing them. Ah, no, 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 no. We don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need that. Can I tell you, the people, when that rain began to fall, they were once again faced with a truth that they had excused away. They had heard the word preach, and they knew what to do, but they decided, you know what? I'll just excuse it away. It's the same thing with the children of Israel. The children of Israel knew what they were supposed to do in obedience to God, and Moses kept trying to push them, and Moses kept trying to push them, and finally, God says, enough. You've tempted me these ten times. I give you opportunity after opportunity. You know what to do, and he goes on to say, go not up. The children of Israel said, okay, 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 we're going to take you up on it now. We're going to go to the promised land, and God says, don't go. I'm not going with you. And all the children of Israel was left with was regret and a missed opportunity. Why? Because they just couldn't talk themselves out of their excuses. So what is God saying in verse 4? Don't be like the sluggard. Don't be like the sluggard. What was his mistake? Well, he did not do what he knew he needed to do. If you're here tonight and the Holy Spirit of God has stirred your heart tonight, or has stirred your heart weeks, or maybe months, or years before, and you've still yet to be obedient because you excuse why you don't have to do that, I'm going to encourage you, if he continues to stir your heart, take the shot. Take the shot. You don't want to be left with the regret of what you didn't do when there's no more time to get it right with God. Deuteronomy 11, last verse. The Bible says that God says to his people, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you'll obey and a curse if you want. Can I tell you what the curse is a result of? Excuses. He says, I've set before you a blessing. And I've set before you a curse. And you can have the blessing, but the blessing comes through obedience. That's just do what you know. Just do what you know to do. And the curse is the result of excuses. Folks, I don't know about you, but... I can excuse myself from doing whatever God tells me to do, but understand you're going to see it again at harvest time. You're going to see that again. The opportunities that he provided, the knowledge that he gave us, we decide, you know what, I've just excused that away. Well, you keep excusing it away, but you're going to see it again. As Romans chapter 1, the Bible says in verse number 20, that he showed creation the opportunity to know God. And if he, through creation, gave opportunity to know him, And we decided to not know him. The Bible says those people are without excuse. Now, if they are without excuse, how bad is it going to be on you and I? Look, we had the word of God. Listen, we had a church to come to where we could learn all that God wanted us to know. 
And every time we hear the word of God preached, it's opportunity. It's opportunity to have what God has prepared, and we can have it through obedience. Oh, how much the more are we going to be without excuse? I don't know about you, but I want to be a successful Christian. Success begins when you talk yourselves out of your excuses, or as a Christian, you grow beyond your excuses. We see the mistake he made. We see the reasons, and we see the outcomes. I don't know about you. Excuses don't seem like they turn out very good. But obedience is what God will bless, and obedience is what will produce fruit in the life of every one of us tonight. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stop there. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.